We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Network, we're back again after a long hiatus. We are back. It's On been a while. Road. Yeah, it's been it's been a hot minute, as they say sometimes. I don't know who says that. I, don't, I if a minute constitutes as a month, then dear God, how many months have we missed? Um, many, many, many. But I'm one of your co-hosts, Rob. Alongside me, of course, as always, is Andy. Who is currently waiting for his vegetables to finish cooking, or are what? they done? Have they not just gonna, finished? Just going to expose that to the world. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. The world needs to know why they hear chewing noises coming from Andy's mic. It's no, no, no. We're better than that. We've evolved. <laughs> no more ice in the microphone. Come on now, Rob. That's that's uncalled for slander. <laughs> oh man. Well, it appears every time that I uh, take a break or we try to take a break. Everything happens. Everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah. either we should break more often, if you think it's good news, or we should never break at all. You, we have to take that gamble. Like It's like a lottery. We just we don't know. Or it's like we're like playing with stocks. We'll take the break, and something might break. But whether that's good news or bad news, there's no guarantee. GME, baby. GME to the moon. <laughs> diamond hands. Hashtag diamond hands. But all right, it's been a, it's been a month. It's been a full month since you and I have recorded. We have a lot to go through. This is probably going to be a two part podcast. Um, but since there's nothing else to do, we just got to start talking, which we've already been doing. But as we head into the intro, some cool tidbits to start off the week. First of all, did you happen to catch the special guest host for Jeopardy last week? Okay, so I didn't actually catch any of it live, and I didn't really watch any on recording either. So, <laughs> <Mm-mm>. 
Do you know who it is? Hmm. Yes. How could I it not? Is. How? Could, I mean, how? peak peak Jeopardy moment was the. Uh, I mean, I can't even believe Rogers said that on air. He's you got it. Gotta admit, I love Aaron Rodgers, but he's a bull guy. I don't know. He was like when that guy wrote down, "Why did you go for the field goal?" Yeah, and Rogers was like, "You and me both, buddy." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> "What? Damn!" Not even like no, like you know, you get that question to Peyton Manning. He's gonna go. He's gonna laugh. He's gonna tell yeah. some joke. You know, he's, yeah, gonna, he's gonna do the coach avoid thing. it. Yeah. 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 And maybe like probably distract him with Omaha, Omaha, and then move on. Rogers go right at it. He's like, nah, yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> that was that like that was amazing that he was like so open to talk about. But then also at the same time, that's Rogers' like character. Like he Who's gonna who's gonna tell him like not to say that? He's gonna say what he's what's on his mind, you know? Like Remember when they drafted Jordan Love? He was like, I'm pissed. <laughs> like, that's basically what he said. So, you know, hey, if, if he wants to say it, I don't think that there's anyone in Green Bay that can tell him otherwise. Especially after the season he had. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's He definitely doesn't avoid both the persona of like, obviously my, my mom tested me and said Aaron Rodgers is the, is the best Jeopardy host ever. Um, so he's done an amazing job, but he also doesn't avoid the, uh, like grumpy old man yeah. characterization. Yeah. Yeah. Aaron was great. I mean, for me, the last two weeks as like watching Jeopardy has been awesome because one, you know, Mr. Ken Jennings, an alum of the same high school that I went to. Uh, so I had that. And then of course, Aaron Rodgers this past week too. So like for me, it was like. Woohoo! Like I get, I got two connections to the Jeopardy hosts in consecutive Wait, weeks. Time out. Ken Jennings went to your high school. Ken Jennings is a grad of Solforn High School. No way. Yep. You can look Ken's it up like on the his. S- smartest guy ever. You can look it up on the on his Wikipedia page. That is pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So he went to high school in Korea. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. That's pretty. That's cool. awesome. Yeah. Uh, but that that's not the only little uh, fun tidbit that happened. This past week also was the Charity Bowl um, that happens every year, hosted uh, by – oh, jeez. Wow. How am I forgetting his name? Wow. Uh, wow. Chum Billups? Yeah. The Charity Bowl hosted by Spencer Hall, um, a part of the Shutdown Full Cast. So here's the thing. It's you you donate to a cause that they select every year and you pick what school or what university or what program like you want to donate in the name of. Right. So like they keep a tally of like each school and how much each school has pulled from their fan bases in terms of, you know, donations. Cal's never gotten past like a few thousand, like I think four or four to six thousand was like, you know, the 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 usual something happened this year where we started skyrocketing just donations and all of a sudden we're in the running to like make a run at the top three like we're just we're in it 
And uh, Nam puts on like a full court press and uh, a bunch of the Cal guys start to retweet and put those stuff out, like the Right for California guys and all that. And it just started to go up and up and up and up and up. Um, you know, usually the goal for that, you know, I've seen some people is like, we just need to beat Stanford, like, you know. But then all of a sudden, you know, our goals got loftier. We're going to be the number one in the Pac-12. We're going to get in the top 10. Then it was we're going to get in the top five. And then yeah. the next one was like, we're going to beat Bama. Like, that was, like, how it kept going <laughs> up and up and up. And then, so, usually, this was supposed to end Friday night. But because there was so much, like, um, momentum behind it, they extended it to Sunday. And heading in, heading into, I believe, Friday night, Cal was sitting at third. All right? So, Michigan was Michigan was number one, $79,642. We weren't going to catch that. There's no way. Georgia Tech was at number two with 26778 Cal, we're sitting at number three, $26,092. Bama's right behind us at 25181 And then it's Ohio State at 19536 So I, I, I was looking at that going, all right, top five is secured, right? The Cal donations are still going to trickle in, even going into Sunday. But there's no way... I think Florida, Ohio State was going to make up $6,000 overnight when they had only made, you know, about 20K over the span of the entire week. Wow. Yep. yep. And so uh, we put on another full court press and uh, Nam wrote a piece on Rife for California to try and, you know, get more people to, to donate and do all that. And finally, about two hours ago. Three hours ago is when the final tally of donations was announced. And it's this slightly pisses me off because so Michigan ended up at number one, eighty nine thousand eight hundred forty four dollars. Wasn't even close. Wasn't even close. Number two, Georgia Tech, forty eight thousand one hundred sixty eight. <laughs> like that's they they jumped. How much? They basically doubled. A little less than doubled their amount um, in two days, <laughs> which is incredible. Followed by Cal. You would think they finished third, but they actually didn't. Florida leapfrogged from six all the way to three with $36,495. And then Cal finishes fourth with $34,680. Alabama's behind Cal at 27,585. So there was somehow they made up like a they made up what? Uh they had 6,000 they made up $8,000 on Cal <laughs> over over 48 hours which kind of sucks cuz I feel like if because they didn't announce <laughs> it sucks. It this sucks. Is all a good, it's all a good thing. <laughs> it's it's overall a great thing. But the thing was that they stopped showing or they stopped updating this like uh this like top twenty five from Friday night, and they didn't announce they didn't show the final one up until three hours ago. So I in my mind, I'm thinking if they had shown it at least one more on Saturday night, I'm pretty sure we could have gotten the donations to to make sure we beat Florida because that's a two that's a less than two thousand dollar gap between us and Florida. Like I feel like we could have we could have squeaked by and gotten into the top three. But regardless, 
we still made the college football football playoffs in terms of donations. Like we're in the top four. Like we're going, we're going to January game. I mean, I lived long enough to hear you say the words, Cal beats <laughs> Bama. <laughs> so I think that's worth it. You know what was also worth it is that Cal's amount was about if I haven't done the calculations, but on Friday night or Friday night or Thursday, Cal's donations up to that point made up 40% of the Pac-12's total donations. That's that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. That's super, super cool. Um, so, yeah, all of this money is going to be sent to uh, a New American Pathways, which is a – I think it's a, an NP, a nonprofit. I think they, uh, they help – refugees get settled here in America. It's a it's an organization based out of Atlanta. So, you know, it's going to a very, very good cause. And man, this is this could be Pete Cal Twitter. <laughs> like we're not we're not a big like Twitter community by all means con- compared to some of these other ones. But the fact that we like rallied the troops and got ourselves into the top five, like that is Pat yourself on the back. If you donated or amplified the message, retweeted, did anything, and you're a listener of ours, pat yourself on the back. You're 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 part of this, man. That's so good. Yeah, real difference making, especially now. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I made a donation in the amount of sixty dollars and twenty eight cents. Do you know why I made a donation in the amount of sixty dollars and twenty eight cents? Uh, I'm guessing that. Uh, I would feel so good about it. Wasn't Tassarte Yarnway like number 28? <laughs> I was like $60.28. So I was like, oh, number six. Was Trevor Davis number six? <laughs> or, like, oh, you know, trying to think about football players. Hmm. No, can't, not off the top of my head. The reason I put 60 and 28 is that's the amount of tackles that Cal and TCU had in the Chiefs Bowl. <laughs> Cal had I looked it up. Cal had sixty tackles. TCU had twenty eight total of eighty eight tackles in the game. So I I was like looking for like an obscure stat, then I found that one. I was like, oh, that's a good one. You didn't want to go obviously with was it seven dollars? No, thirteen dollars. Thirteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to do that. You could do thirteen hundred. I I could have done that. <laughs> Maxed out a couple cap, uh, credit cards. <laughs> Not thirteen hundred. Thirteen thousand. 13,000, 1300. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> but um, that's our little fun tidbits. Now we go on to the main stuff. All right. You ready? You ready to talk, Andy? Your hot yeah, this takes. Is, this is the juice. We got yeah. all the juice. This is like a slow roasted turkey. As as I drink my emergency of vitamin C juice. Actual juice. juice. Actual juice. Actual vitamins. So what, I mean, my question to you is like, what didn't happen in the last four weeks the only What's, thing what sport wasn't affected in the last four weeks that's yeah, what i, I want to say like only thing would be wilcox didn't have a rumor about him leaving <laughs> that's the only thing yeah. other than that it's like football is decimated <laughs> like there's no beating around the bush on that one that's devastating but uh and i'm not not gonna bring not gonna spoil it oh and then bass what's going on with basketball friendly old cal basketball right not competitive. Hey, the Pac-12 looks really good in the tournament. Here I am. Oh, maybe Cal played a tough schedule. Maybe Mark Fox, you know, is better than I think. 
well, uh, and then, and then, oh, uh, just for the little like salt on your food this week, we have rumors about the AD. So yeah, that's like your pie. And that's, I don't even think all of it, but that's the beginning of the pie. And, uh, there's probably more. Yeah. The highlight of my last week, like, you know, even as I'm putting this to putting the, the rundown together. I made it towards the end of last week and I was like, okay, this is a pretty good one. Like before I had to put in the AD uh, rumors, I was like, okay, this is going to be a lot to talk about. And then I watched Godzilla versus Kong. And I was like, that, that was a total waste of time. And uh, I feel like, I, f- I feel like some people are going to look at the title of this podcast and like feel the same way. Like, it's just bad news after bad news. Like, why do I have to stay here for like an hour and a half just listening to two guys rant about bad news happening to Cal? It's like the whole like re- reset the clock meme. Like after like the, that the that's the reason I want everyone to listen to this pod is that you listen to it, you cleanse yourself of all the bad bad spirits and the bad juju because we'll talk about it and we'll air it out. We'll put it in a trash can. We'll light it on fire. We'll sing kumbaya, and then we'll let it go. <laughs> and hopefully. I'm- Hopefully we'll be we'll be done until next January. I'm just trying to come to terms with the <laughs> fact that you directly compared our podcast to Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're which, Kong. You're Kong. I'm Godzilla. You aptly described as a total waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> So if you're if you're Kong and I'm Godzilla, who's our Mecha Godzilla? Like who, who's 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 that? Who's that arch nemesis? Oh, arch nemesis? Yeah. Who's that arch? Do we have an arch nemesis? Yeah, I can't say on air, <laughs> <laughs> but we do. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk, Andy. Let's talk about the first one. We're gonna go big picture, and then we're gonna we're gonna move around. So big picture one, of course, Jim Knowlton was uh, stated by John Wilner yesterday on his Twitter account, uh, right for the San Jose Mercury, saying that uh, Knowlton interviewed for the Northwestern job and was a candidate um, alongside Pat Chun, who is the AD at Washington State. But then, and all of us were freaking out. Everyone was freaking out. Everyone was like, you know, melting melting down. Um, lots of different viewpoints on that, and we'll, we can talk about that. But uh, a couple hours ago, John Wilner saying that one of his sources has told him that Jim Nolan is no longer in the running for the Northwestern job and put out a, and had a statement from Cal saying that, you know, he's something about him being excited about the, the three years that he's been here and looking forward to all that, you know, he's fully committed, fully, fully committed to Cal. Yeah. And wants to be here for a long time. Yeah. So your initial thoughts, on give me give me a timeline like when you first heard that stuff yesterday like what were your thoughts on it and then coming to terms now that he's here or will be here I, I think I've been pretty consistent on this particular piece of news because you know I think it's hard to understand one I think it's hard to understand what where you would rate Knowlton's value right now so I think that he has the positives, which is, you know, he's got this reputation as having done an excellent job on the fundraising side. Mm-hmm. And that being a big piece of to why the books are better balanced. 
and uh, he's definitely somebody that you know Wilcox really likes, and I think um, I think I, I don't really know, but it seems like the general sense is like people like this guy. So that's it. You know, that, those are the two sides. And continuity, there's benefits continuity, benefits not looking for a new AD right now. So that's kind of what you have in this little good corner. Over here, the only thing that you really have but is like a glaring, hot, on-fire piece of garbage is the basketball program. And if you look at the single hire that was in, you know, not too many sports that you can have like a critical hire like that, but this was one. I mean, we know like the tire fire that is all of the things that came out about how Mark Fox got to Cal, how Knowlton handled that process, how we're evaluating now, uh, what the team looks like two years in to this tenure, the radio silence after another season of disappointment, the fact that you, and I'm sorry for not leaving you anything, Rob, but <laughs> <laughs> the fact that there's no fans in the stands, so you know there's no pressure on it, like to me, I would like to see a little bit more of a proactive nature there and, and, and an understanding like, dude, like this isn't just like cow where you can like sweep the program under the rug and be like, yep, sorry, basketball sucks. Who cares? That's not how it works. Like this is a legitimate program that has had a tremendous amount of success, particularly in the last decade. And yep. to see it where it is now, I don't think they're really properly estimating the disappointment that's out there among the actual alumni. And uh, so that's a huge negative. So where do I net out on this whole thing? I kind of know it's like Northwestern school university. They probably have more money. Uh, that, I mean, whatever interview if you want, if you want to stay here, fine. I don't really care. <laughs> that's, that's, I was just like completely ambivalent and I don't think I've changed. Like he wants to say, great, cool. Awesome. I mean, and, uh, we may differ on that, but for me, it was just like, all right, whatever. No, I think we're on the same page. I think uh, I was like, if you wanted to leave, I could I could give you reasons why his moving on was a po- is a net positive for us. But if he wants to stay, I can also give you reasons why it's a net positive that he would want that he's staying. Right. Um, the and we talked about this in in our Slack channel, but I was just like. The one thing I don't like about this like PR stuff is like the the news that he interviewed is already out there, right? And then like the 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 comment that he gave or the source gave to Wilner was like how he's committed here for the long haul and all that. And it's like either address that you interviewed and it was just like, you know, initial contact to your agent and just just put people's mind at ease, which I also understand that'll never happen. Because that's just not how PR works, especially in the, the you know the sports and the rumor world. Um, but like, if you wanted to really like cement it down that he was committed, like he should have just addressed it and just been like, "Hey, yeah, they might have contacted my agent, but I really didn't talk to them or anything. Like, I love it here. This is where I want to be, and so on." Um, but the fact that the rumor even got out there to begin with that he had interviewed. Granted, we don't know what the term interview means. Did he actually have a sit-down interview with them? Like, or was it just like, hey, are you interested in the gig? Like, would you want to talk to us? Like, is that considered the interview? Like, who knows? Um, we don't know the extent of that. So that's why I'm like, uh, like I hate I hate going through this. Because, like, if it's just like, oh, this, you know, Northwestern is interested in, in Jim Nolan. Fine. You can have a list. 
the chancellor can have a list of guys that they they want but, or you know same with ad's looking for coaches right like cal is interested in you know in hiring uh brad stevens from the celtics like sure we can be interested like you know but does that make it a realistic possibility or is it that he's he's in, in, interested in us no um, indiana indiana just did that yeah <laughs> It was like Indiana offered him 70 mil. Yep, over and, seven years, 10 years. And the way it was addressed was, you know, didn't even consider it. Yep. So, like, that's the thing that I actually do think is a good area to kind of poke holes into. Because if it was more of the case that you're painting, then you would be able to take that approach. And I think I'm not NPR, but I would imagine that they would have gone that route. Yeah. Um, so, I, I bet that the interview was was probably a little bit more legit than just just reading the tea leaves on the outside. I just don't know how much I care. But what we don't want to have is somebody that's, you know, sunny, I hate to say it, but like a sunny deck situation, just like the perennial interviewer. And in, I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's, I think, I think there's times where you can use that to your advantage and get good leverage if you feel like you need an upper hand in contract negotiations or whatnot, right? But like I like what Sonny did, which is like a yearly wandering eye of like interviewing at places, like that's different. That just that sends out the wrong message, right? If it's just like a one off thing and then next week we hear, you know, Knowlton re ups with Cal and gets a pay raise. Like and then and then we can look back and be like, all right. It was it was totally to, to get leverage on this. That's the only reason that happened. But, you know, that didn't happen with Sonny. And that's the I think that's my PTSD here, is that like could this be like another one of those types of situations? Which I don't want it to be. Right? Yeah. That's I think the, I mean I can only speak from personal experience, but having just done that and gone to get an offer to get leverage and then accidentally falling in love with a company that <laughs> You tried to get and, leverage using and leaving yep uh you know it's a dangerous game to play so i don't mean to say that about my own personal journey and um but the 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 core of what's happening too is also a little bit uh does resemble an organ like if cal isn't looking at his sort of tenure and saying hey you fulfilled three years out of a five-year deal and we should probably think about you know, and yeah. here there's record fundraising. We should probably think about extending you. And he has to feel like he needs to do that in order to get that extension. That's also not a healthy relationship. Yeah. So no matter what, that's like, even if they came out next week and they're like, we extended it. Like, All right. So every time that Nolan feels like his value is there and he has to get paid, he has to go interview for another job. He will inevitably leave. That's not how you take care of people, you know? And the problem is we know that, that the, uh, that that sort of complexity in, in, in Cal is kind of par for the course. So, you know, you hope that's not there. I think it's, you know, pure speculation on my part that it is there, yeah. but it's just all of those things matter. And, uh, and, and it matters. I mean, if, if you were also like in his position, if you felt uncomfortable with having two years left, and wanting to make a big move, like pulling out of a, your first hire, wouldn't you feel way better about making that move if you had four years or five years left on that deal than if you had two? And so 
I also think about the dynamics there if it's all about trust. So if I feel like I have a lot of trust, then I'm gonna be able to make those decisions like, hey, I messed up, right? I'm gonna be able to make the move that Rob, that Rob and others have been saying, like this is the right move to make, whether or not I spend enough time. Anyways, pure speculation over here, but very interesting dynamic going on and something that, borrowing a line from Drew, just like understanding that there might be more there than what we're currently seeing. Yeah. And I don't think it's particularly good. I think that, yeah, I think you're 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 spot on. The one caveat that you know a lot of people I've seen on Twitter talk about is like, what happens if he does leave? Like, what happens with the whole Wilcox? Like, is is the new AD gonna want to come in and you know is is he gonna be on a short leash again? Like, you know, because it's a new AD and a new coach. But the one thing I will say to that is when Mike Williams left. Wilcox and Lindsey Gottlieb were the two head coaches that were on the search committee for the new AD, right? So if that was the case and they hired Knowlton, I would be very surprised if they didn't include Wilcox on that search committee again if Knowlton were to leave or if he left or if he leaves at any point and Wilcox is still here. I also don't think that we can have a revolving door at AD. No, you can't. We can't have four ADs in a in a decade. <laughs> yeah, because that'll tire him out. He's yeah. not going to want to be on search committees every four years, or every yeah. three years. You know, that's uh, it's not a good look for. That's not a good use of his time as a head football coach. Like yeah. he needs to be doing other things. So, I mean, it could be a bunch of nothing. It could be could representative be nothing. Could be something bigger. And it's really hard to say, but no matter what, the story like that. I agree with what you said is if a source came in and was like, yeah, he interviewed. And then it was like, no, actually he just like knows the upper brass at Northwestern and was like talking to them. Wasn't an interview. Source was wrong. Really easy to kind of come out and sort of say that defiantly definitively. Mm -hmm. Cal PR team did not do that. So I don't know. (laughs) Just reading tea leaves here. People all conjecture mostly. Um, All right. Moving on, now we go on to actual football stuff. The first thing is, I didn't put this in the rundown because I totally forgot, but uh, Cal had a, Cal had Pro Day, of course. Cam Bynum, Jake Curhan, uh, Ziande, all in attendance and uh, showing out. I believe uh, Trey Beck, our dear friend, and Jordan Duncan as well, uh, both uh, ran their... Uh, combine numbers and all that just to run you through some numbers here all three first-time testers that's uh, jake kerhan ziande and cam had solid marks in their 40-yard dash to the respective groups uh 4.49 for cam and the 4.498 is the pro day combine average for a cornerback ziande johnson with a 4.82 4.96 is the pro day combine average for a defensive lineman and jake kerhan with a 5.42 5.26 is the pro day combine average for an offensive lineman. Bynum also showed out in other measurements, testing in at 10 foot nine, excuse me, for the broad jump, uh, 4.01 seconds in the 20 yard shuttle, and 6.98 in the cone drill. All test, all of those numbers testing at or above the pro day combine average. I mean, the only one I've been keeping tabs on is Cam. And I think I saw third, uh, fourth round projections for him. 
Yeah, there was a Dave Lombardi at the Athletic put out his uh, mock draft, and he had the Niners picking Cam in the fifth round. Oh, I love that. Yes, let's but, make that happen. But the Niners also picked up Elijah Molden from Washington in the second. So, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. Did we go Mac Jones or Justin Fields? <laughs> um, different podcast. So, yeah. oh wait, Jake doesn't project to be a, in the draft right now. Yeah, I, I've seen. Yeah, it looks like he's a UDFA, but who knows? Maybe he'll maybe he'll interview well with with players or with anything on Zionde. I haven't seen anything, but I would assume just from his measurables alone, he's worth taking. Someone will take a UDFA on him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's really can't. I mean. It's really Cam right now. Yep. It's crazy. We're just not, I mean, we're not putting out, I think this next class, these last two classes will have more, but we're just not putting out like we used to do in the Tedford era. Yeah. Like in the NFL draft. Well, the thing is too, this COVID year turned everything into whack. Cause like, think about it, right? Like if we had our regular COVID year, who's going in this draft? That's, that's Cam good, uh, coin, Cam Bynum, Elijah Hicks, all those guys, like that's this is the draft that they're going into. They're not, like half of those guys, or more than half of those guys, aren't coming back for another year. So yeah, that, that's a great point. We would have had a lot more this year. Do you think? Do you think Chase is NFL prospect? I so I heard from a secondary person that like if Chase could build on that on that sophomore year he had, right? That, you know, he, he hurt himself, but the, like, the stretch that he was having and how he played when, when he came back. If he can play like that for a whole season, um, my secondary person who talked to an NFL scout said that um, there's there's no reason to doubt he couldn't play himself into being a top 10 quarterback drafted. Wow. Like, not top 10 overall, but, like, yeah. one of the top 10 QBs. At the position, so at what, the, like, yeah, at the position, that's still drafted. Top, top four rounds, yeah, maybe that's still drafted. Yeah. I mean, depending on how deep the class is, right? Um, like the yeah. average quarterback class, there's like four to five going in the first round, right? Yeah, now. yeah, <laughs> it's so crazy. Yeah. So you're like saying out of from rounds two to seven, you're in the top five. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's that's really high. Yeah, that's good. But we don't know because remember last year. I mean, last year's wipe, right? Yeah. Like, so we shall see. But speaking of quarterbacks, great transition. Uh, two quarterbacks have left. We haven't. We didn't talk about this. Spencer yep. Brash and Jaden Casey both uh, departing and yeah. no longer with the program. We only have three quarterbacks on the roster. Two, only two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster uh, at the spring game. But your thoughts? Well. I'm bummed to see Spencer Brash go. I love Eric Brash. Uh, he's awesome. And uh, I know that Spencer, you know, was recruited under Bo Baldwin. Um, and the same thing with Jane Casey. So, uh, but just, I know uh, Spencer I liked a lot because, you know, he would always be practicing, even in the pandemic. You know, it's like mask yeah. on, throwing balls. <laughs> It's just like that work ethic, that work ethic is amazing. And I just think that that's what you look for. So I was pretty bummed about that one. I thought that he might stay, but you know, I think he gave it 
uh, he gave it a like competed, and then once they announced that he wasn't at number two, I think he bounced. And that's that's totally fair. Yeah. Totally fair. And then Jaden Casey is a little more confusing because he's obviously a year younger, but I know it's not sort of felt like the same thing. Like he got passed up on the depth chart and then bounced, but man, that dude really looked like he had a lot of potential. And, uh, that one would really hurt. Cause I thought that he was going to be the kind of the next big thing, especially coming out of Fresno, you know, ties to Aaron Rodgers and all that. So it was, uh, I, I think it, it hurts a little bit. It definitely hurts the depth, but you can't feel bad about our one and two right now. Yeah. I mean, the big thing for me, like that I talked about when these two guys left is, you know, they bet on them. They're betting on themselves. Like they see they're going to have to stick or like sit behind chase for another year. And that means that they're going to have to, they're just going to have to sit there and wait. And there's no guarantee that they're, that they're going to be, you know, a starter. And then on top of that, like, as you said, Zach Johnson looked like he was going to be the number two going into the spring game. And then that's when uh, Spencer Brash declared that he was transferring. So it could have been that, like, okay, if, I, if I'm not even able to make number two here or they don't rate me as much, I'm going to bet on myself and, and go elsewhere and try and get the start. So and then the same with Jaden Casey. Jaden Casey was way early in the in spring ball, too. It was like week one or two when he departed. Yeah, you just got the sense that he saw something and then pulled the trigger. And then same thing, you know, Spencer seeing that at spring game was like, all right, you know, yeah. can't fault him for that. Nope. But um, any word on where they're heading? I haven't uh, I haven't kept track. I, I can look it up while we keep talking. But, I mean, the biggest thing for them is, like, they're, they're still so young. And the quarterback, when people, like, talk about, like, quarterback transfers and they're like, oh, it sucks, like – Yes, but you also only get one quarterback on the field at any given time. It's not one of those positions that you need depth, but you don't need depth like you do like at running back or offensive line or wide receiver. Like it, it's not the same. It's not the same type of depth. So, like one, like two guys leaving, you're always going to have QB attrition because there's only one QB on the field at all times, and they feel like they are able to play. You're always going to have guys like that that think that they're able to play. And they're going to bet on themselves and go elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, I think that they could also come back. Right? We saw that with Gabe Cherry. Yeah. So that was a pretty interesting scenario where he entered in the transfer portal and then came back out. Uh, Have you gotten the sense that Gabe is going to play this year? Or is he going to... So my sense of the timing, and I guess this leads directly into the next bit of news is that the timing of the news aligned perfectly with the announcement that Brett Johnson is going to miss the 2021 season, right? Because the Gabe Cherry news came out, what, I think like a day or two before it was announced that Johnson is out uh, for the season. There's no way. I don't think that there's a way that's a coincidence. I think, I think the 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 Brett Johnson stuff may have happened a little bit before Gabe Cherry coming back, and they they called up Cherry after that announcement was like, "We need you back. We gotta have you." Yeah. So that's I, wild because his post was like, "I persevered." Yeah. Goodbye. Through some shit. 
yeah. <laughs> I was like, this has been hard, but like loves Cal, but like football, damn, like the hardest time of my life. And then it was like, all right, I'm back. I'm like, awesome. I mean, great. Yeah. I mean, that being said, it said he's left the portal and he returned to Cal. Does that mean he's playing football? Like, I don't, that I, I that's what I still can't gauge. Like, is he returning to the football team? Is he just no longer pursuing fo- pursuing football? Like, is he just coming back, you know, because he got maybe gone to a master's program? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. And I'm, I'm, I guess we'll find out soon enough. But uh, we got, to, I guess we got to talk about the big news since we're talking about it is Brett Johnson is missing the 2021 season. The, this is, I'm going to read you the official uh, release from Cal Bears. Head coach Justin Wilcox announced Wednesday that defensive lineman Brett Johnson will miss the 2021 season after successful surgery to repair a broken hip sustained in an automobile accident. Johnson is expected to make a full recovery and be eligible for the 2022 campaign. He will have three seasons of collegiate eligibility left when he returns in 2022. While we will certainly miss Brett on the field this coming season, the most important thing right now is that he focused on his overall health and well-being, Wilcox said. As his teammates and coaches, we will help him through this difficult time. When he is ready to return to the field, we will welcome him with open arms. I appreciate all the support that I have received from family, friends, and teammates and coaches and so many others since the accident, Johnson said. I am looking forward to making a full recovery and getting back on the field in 2022. Done. I mean, take win like the expected wins this year, and I think I knocked two off. That's, that's the I, impact. I really do. Yeah. It's, it's huge. I yeah I said in our Slack channel if uh if every every sack tackle for loss and like play like breakup disruption that Brett Johnson would have caused equates to the offense having to score one more touchdown. It's uh this sucks. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. It sucks really, so bad. Really is. It's just his lot. I mean, you can't replace somebody like Brett Johnson. You can't replace the guy that's. You don't have Alden Smith if Justin Smith is doing like. That's right. Yeah, you're uh, right. Is not occupying one or two O linemen, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what made Alden Smith so successful. He hasn't been able to repeat it since. I mean, Alden Smith's trained, right? We're not talking about him. Yeah. But, you know. The that's the impact that Brad Johnson has for this team, and uh, I I don't really see us replacing it. And we can it, it just puts a lot lot more pressure too, you know, knowing that Droider is gone. So Droider was big fan of the disguises and the blitzes and all those things that we're doing, and we're we're gonna see a a very interesting progression of defense. I think. It'll just be interesting to see because one will answer the question that we talked about before. Is it Wilcox? Is it TDR? You know, is it Sermon? Who's who's the one that's really arch, arch, the architect of the defense? But then two is how do you replace that type of player at that position? That was really critical to our success. And can you do it? But what do you think, Rob? I mean, you can't understate like how important he is. My God, like the the thing with him and, and this upcoming season was that he was going to be the focal point of how this defense is run. And that's what exactly what you were alluding to is like how this defense is going to change. 
because he was the guy that was listed on the roster at DL, right? He wasn't listed at a specific position. So it's clear that they were going to move him around. And on top of that, now that we actually had depth at, at nose guard and defensive tackle, we could we could actually move him to defensive end. And with Ziande leaving, it made perfect sense for him to occupy one of those DN spots. And now you have that, and then you had like an, an outside, like from a from a pass rush, like you have Brett on one end of the line, you have Jace Tevis on the other end of the line, or you know one of the other guys that comes in like Calhoun or, or Derek Wilkins. And then at outside linebacker, you have Cam Good, you have Orn Patu, you have Coin uh, Dang, who's listed at outside linebacker on the roster at least for now. Um, and then you have your inside linebackers, of course, with Isefa, Ancelados, Tattersall. And then you have like that nose guard rotation that I was just talking about with McKenzie and, and uh, Maldonado and some of, and one and some of those other guys. There's a couple more. And that would have totally transformed our defense. But now that he's gone, at least for the season, it's like, all right, how how do we how do we emulate um, his production by committee? If one guy steps up and emulates his what they expected of him this year, like that's like a godsend, right? Like that's divine intervention for us for someone to step up and us not lose a step. But if we can even get like 0.5 or 0.75 out of one single guy, I'd say that's a that's a success. Like, and I'd be more excited to see 2022. But the reality is, we're probably going to have three or four guys having to try and make up one Brett Johnson. And is that going to be good enough? Like, will we get enough consistency from that? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. frustrating yeah so who are like if you had to pick one or maybe two guys that you think could do that who would it be that's a good question um i'm gonna pull up the roster real quick but as i bring that up all right we look i mean let me let me kind of flip the question to you is what who's Where's the pressure going to be more mounted on? Is it is it going to be the nose guards, or do you think it's the defensive ends with his with his loss? Pro, uh, I was thinking nose guard. You're thinking nose guard. Okay. Yeah. Interior positions. Well, our nose guard guys are Stanley McKenzie, Ricky Correa, Gunnar Rask, and Aaron Maldonado. I, I mean, the amount of positive things that came out of 
you know, last season was with Stanley McKenzie, right? That was that was the guy that everyone was talking about, how he looked ready to play. He looked ready to play. And, you know, injuries happened and, you know, COVID happened with the defensive line and, and all that. And, you know, that's what we – we're going to just scrap it. And we didn't really get to see McKenzie do it. But, I mean, he's 6'2", 325 pounds. Like, that's nose guard prototype size that you want. I mean, Ricky Correa, too, 6'4", 350. Like, those are guys that now have the size. Like, to be to be totally fair, like, Brett did not have defensive tackle size, right? He's 6'5", 300 pounds. Like, he's built more as a pass rush off the edge guy, like, just overpowering tackles. Like, he's not one of those guys that is going to try and squeeze by a double team from a center and a guard. Like, that's just not... I don't think that's a skill set, really. Um, so, I think now you have a more tradition. You're going to have more of a traditional look. You're going to have a guy that just sits there as a bowling ball and just occupies two guys and just eats up space and lets the other guys roam. It's the for me, it's the question of can someone emulate the the sacks, the havoc plays, the tackles for loss, right? That's that's what that's the only thing I'm I'm worried about. Yep. Yep. What about on the outside? Do you think Derek Wilkins can factor into this? I'm not sure about Wilkins, but Calhoun, because Calhoun's the Calhoun's the one that's early, right? He's been here through the spring. And he's I mean, he looks the part, right? He looks like a defensive end. His I think he still needs, you know, some more time in the weight room and, and all that, but he has that now over the summer and he's gotten a head start on the playbook. And it's I mean, I think all of us can agree Andrew Browning is a pretty damn good coach on the D line um, that I think he's going to bring him up to speed pretty quick. Like Calhoun's the guy that I would, I would be like very, very interested in seeing in fall camp and seeing, has he developed enough where they're able to trust him at least, at least on like not, maybe not every down, but at least, you know, in certain packages, because if he, if you can get that out of a freshman and you have, you know, Jaden Roberts and GH Tevis and um, Wilkins coming in, and, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll tap into the transfer market, too, now that they kind of need it. But, yeah, I would I would expect Calhoun to, to be a factor big time. That's my dude. I think Love he's going to be. I think he's going to be the dude. So not all hope is lost. Not all hope. Hope Just is so. never lost. Hope springs eternal. <laughs> Always, especially in spring. Especially. Particularly in spring. Mm-hmm. Particularly in the spring. All right. Some more football stuff. We didn't talk about the two hires. Talk about. I don't think we talked about the two hires. Did we talk about Keith Hayward? I think we. We talked about Keith Hayward, but we did not. <laughs> we definitely did not talk about Trey Watson, who is. Yes, the, we did. The DB coach. Yep. Did we? Yep. Are you sure it wasn't a private conversation between you and I? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. You think we we talked about it? Yep. All right. Well. I'm gonna take your word on it, and we're gonna we're gonna bypass it. But if the readers or if the listeners listen, they're like, "You guys never talked about it." <laughs> we're just gonna have to. All right. Well, uh, I guess we're coming back to record another one. Um, but all right, I guess we can move on from that. Let's. Uh, the last football bit of news is to talk about the spring game. Um, were you able to watch the spring game? No, I yeah. was traveling. Yeah, I was in Hawaii. Yeah. So, I don't know how this conversation is going to go, but um, (laughs) 
I, I'll give my initial thoughts. I, I have found a copy of the spring game, so I'll send it to you, and you can you can uh, quickly watch it. Not today, but at a certain point, and then I'll get your takes on it. But Deal. O- overall, I think uh, we saw a lot more passing. We saw a lot more of what they were trying to build the offense to be. That was the key for me is like seeing the offense. Are we going to see a little bit more diversity of plays? How are they going to use the wide receivers, especially the younger guys, right? Like, you know, all of us are hyped about Jeremiah Hunter and Justin Baker and Aiden Lee, like all those guys. How are we going to use them? Are we going to start to use them? And that's what you saw. You saw guys start to to get reps, get plays. Jeremiah Hunter had this, like, really sick catch on the sidelines early in the game. Um, and then, of course, the big one that everyone wanted to talk about was Jermaine Terry, right? Like, yep. is he ready to play right away? He's definitely ready to play right away. Um, he was dinged up um, on a like a drag route or like was it? It was either a drag route or like a little a little out in the flat, and uh, you know the DB came in to tackle him after he caught the pass and went low, which is of course what you're supposed to do. Got a little dinged up. Thankfully, in the photos after uh, he was on crutches, but no like protective boot or anything like that. So I'm hoping for the best here. Like otherwise. If there was, like, an injury that they needed to get x-rayed or, or otherwise, like, I think you put that boot or, like, a brace on your knee, like, immediately, right, to to make sure you don't damage it even further. But I think not having that, just, you know, wearing slides and on crutches, I think it, it's a small knock. So, fingers crossed. <laughs> fingers crossed. That is – that was uh, amazing. I, I think that was my- – <laughs> Dude, the second you said crutches, like, oh shit, yeah. oh no, yeah. oh no, that's not good whatsoever. Yeah. Um, that sounds awful. I don't know if you're supposed to. Are you supposed to go low? <laughs> In that's when what you're playing t- your own team. Well, I mean, I think it's it might be instinctual too because you're taught for like tight ends and stuff because you're undersized, right? You're not you can't go high on guys that like if you're a if you're a six foot you know go like Ed Reed on them. If you're like a six foot one eighty <laughs> corner. And you're Missile. going up at six four two seventy five tight end. <laughs> Where's your leverage? You got to go low. You got to go low. Uh, we had some bowling ball guys in the past that would just launch into dudes. <laughs> yep. All right. So that's devastating. What other bad news do we have? Offense didn't look good. Shocker. <laughs> I wouldn't say I wouldn't say the offense didn't look good. I I think that the the offense is definitely evolving. Um, we saw a lot more like play action and the run game was pretty solid. Like, especially the younger running backs, they looked good. Um, and then we saw a bunch of Zach Johnson at QB two, who I thought made some freshman mistakes, but all in all, like he made the right reads, just his throws were a little off. He was getting a little antsy in the pocket at times, but he made the right reads, went to his safety valve at the right times, got the ball to his playmakers, let them go to work. That's exactly what you want from a from a younger quarterback. Like not to take the gambles initially, you know, like you know, staying calm and knowing where his guys are. Uh, but for me, like the big part was seeing the the younger wide receivers. Like I think all yeah. of them performed well. They all looked ready to play. Uh, particularly like guys like Justin and Jeremiah, because Jeremiah, of course, was injured last year, right? But Justin just never saw the field last season, which I was very yeah. surprised about because I think we all just assumed like. Why wouldn't you if it's a if it's a pass year, why wouldn't you at least give them the snaps to get ready or like to get that experience in? But I mean, I, I trust the coaching staff in whatever decision they make, but 
um, yeah, just seeing all those guys and just the, the play calling a little bit more pass heavy, um, a little less run heavy, and going from there. Like, we'll see. This is a good building block. I thought it was a good building block uh, spring game, from my opinion. It's good. Yeah, I heard Chase really played way better than Zach Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's clear he's the QB one. I, uh, I there's no, There's no going around it. No doubt. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. All right. Um, I guess I quickly on the defensive end, I think seeing Coyne at outside linebacker, like that was like mind-blowing. Um, there was like one point where we had like Coyne at outside, Iacefa, Tattersall, and then and Cam Good on the other end. And I was like, that is amazing. <laughs> And then seeing Trey Pastor at inside linebacker, like his, just his frame alone, what, 6'2", 225? Like he looks like an NFL linebacker, like just size-wise. So I'm very interested to see how how much – like they had to have seen something extensive in order to move a potential starter at defensive back into a brand-new position. And like they're going to have to want to use him right away, right? Otherwise, why would you move – a guy like that unless you're like all right he's not only going to provide depth but he's going to be a guy that pushes to be in the too deep like right away he looked like it and like i'm just looking at all the inside linebackers and i'm like this is probably the most athletic group we've had in quite a few years right um yeah and all of those guys were like rated guys i think that's the big part for me it's like we've talked about this with the offensive line for years right it's like you know the we don't want to talk about stars being the in recruiting ratings being like the judgment of it all but the stars set the foundation of how far your potential goes and looking at like some of these groups now like the o-line has that now where there's it's not just like two-star guys or walk-ons you know that are a lot of the rotation guys it's three-star four-star guys that are just like cemented into that 2d rotation you see that now with the inside linebackers you see a lot of the three-star four-star guys that are in there now and that's you already have that foundation set, and now it's gonna get it's gonna look better. They're gonna look stronger, faster, you know, more instinctive because they have the natural athletic ability already. So uh, that's the group. That's the group I would say to watch for when you rewatch the the spring game. But yeah, that's it for the spring game, and I think that's it for football. That is all of the football talk. Damn. Woo. Good. Woo. Good. Good, good, good. Good, good, good. All right. Basketball talk. <laughs> Shoot me now. <laughs> Matt Bradley is transferring to San Diego State. He announced that. I think San Diego State. I think he announced the San Diego State move a couple weeks ago. So he's gone. Uh, that means we have an open scholarship spot and we have been linked to a point guard from DePaul who was the backup to Charlie Moore. Uh, Charlie Moore also is in the transfer portal as well. So Again. Again. His fourth. That dude's transferred so many times. Yeah. Charlie, why, dude? You could have just stayed here. Charlie. Transferred to Kansas. Transferred to DePaul. Yeah. Yeah. This will be his fourth school. Uh. I mean, since we're on that transfer portal topic, like Darius McNeil has transferred from SMU 
I think he's at uh, UTSA now. And then who else transferred? Someone else transferred. Charles Smith transferred from SMU out to somewhere to um, – he's a former Cal commit. He never ended up coming here. but And then, yeah, that's pretty much it. So that's the roster right now. We're without our best player um, and the only best player we've had probably really for the last four years. And, yeah, that's our roster. From an, from your perspective, like, I I just need your take. You know what my you know my feelings on this. Uh, well, I think the important thing is that I'll be fully vaccinated so I can go boo in person and see if that <laughs> makes any difference. <laughs> uh, I kid, I kid. For the Cal Athletics people that listen to our podcast, I would never do anything like that. The, um, I, I just think like the outsider, I don't know, man, basketball is super tough. I, I stand by kind of what I said earlier on. I thought that the PAC 12 doing really well in the tournament was a net positive for the program because it sort of helped to explain the regression. If you're going to say like, okay, like why did you regress? Like, all right, you know, the league got better. And we saw that in the tournament play out in a very serious and awesome way. At the same time, we've seen what good coaching looks like and how much coaching matters. I think coaching matters in college basketball more than maybe any sport that I follow. And, um, you know, what happened at UCLA was not an accident. And, uh, you know, it's, it's coaching. So for, for this program, we're in dire straits. I think that's – that's – I don't know. I don't I, – <laughs> I can't see us being I, – I can't really see losing our best player coming off of this season going with this recruiting path forward uh, that looks rosy. And I'm a pretty optimistic person. I like to think. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's my view. It's just sort of – it's uh, one of those things. I'll go in person. It always helps to go in person. Always, always, always helps. But I'll go in person, watch for myself, and I'll probably be like, damn, where's your point guard that just shoots 50-foot threes and makes them all the time? (laughs) Uh, So here's my thing, right, is, you know, like, we talked about this extensively, but you've always mentioned, like, hey, you know what? If this year we actually had people in the stands and they saw the ticket numbers declining and they saw, like, you know people not coming to games anymore like maybe that would have forced them to pull the trigger on you know moving on from fox my devil's advocate to that would be what if there was no difference this year from the year before because the year before was already so unenthusiastic like uneventful like there weren't already a lot of people anyways like let uh, I'll I'll, uh, I'll specify this way, like if you, you know the big thing is season ticket holder numbers, right? Like that's like a big indicator. So what if the season ticket holders was already so low from the Viking era that it only incre- let let's say it either increased a little bit or stayed the same the year Fox was hired because of how atrocious it was for the for the previous two years. Then for this upcoming season. Let's say it stayed the same because it was bad last year or 
let's say it, it took a little bit of a dip even more because the actual real real fans that you know love this program and love watching basketball are just like this team this team isn't good like you know it's not good under under this um, regime and there's no reason for me to do it <clears throat> if you're sitting at like one percent season ticket holder and you drop to 0 0.5 like is is that a significant enough drop for you to like you know say that the the drop in season ticket holders is enough like wouldn't you just ride it out like i'm playing devil's advocate here a little bit maybe i don't think that the season ticket holder ship at cal for cal basketball would ever be you know in that example i know it's an extreme example yeah it's but, an extreme, um, extreme example and, you know, in that case, yeah, maybe it's not a core decision that you're looking at. You know, it's not something that you're, it's not a measure of success that you're looking for. Right. I, I mean, because I think it seems like Nolan came in knowing he wanted to give him three years. Well, I mean, that's his, that's his quote, right? That I've, yeah. I've read is that he likes to give coaches three years to know what he has. And they're going to, they're, they're going to spin it. And I don't, I don't mean to spin it in a negative way, but, or in the negative connotation, but. The, they're just gonna they're gonna say like last year was a wipe year it was covid we had excuses of why the team didn't you know work despite what all of us or even like you know nick writes or whoever else writes like even if they just look at the basketball and like determine it rationally of all right screw the excuses let's just look at all the on the court product like you know they're they're gonna say that's all inclusive like it's it was just a COVID year. We're going to wipe. It doesn't really count. Or we're going to give him a fresh start, you know, this upcoming season. But, like, if you're if you're there, does him even eclipsing his first season here total do it for you? For him to be kept around? Like, that's that's my thing. Because you dip down to, like, the Y-King level, right, this, this season in terms of wins and losses. If this upcoming season, if he goes back up to, like, 8 or 10... Um, like, is that good enough? Like, is that like, okay, they're recovering from COVID, so you give them a fourth year? Like, I don't know. I don't know where what you would say that bar is. I think it's 10 and 10 in conference. Like, 500 in conference is kind of the bar for success. That would have to be a drastic improvement. A very, very drastic improvement. I think that's what it would be. That's that's tough. Cause they went, let's see. In eighteen nineteen, which was his first year, they went three and fifteen in conference. <laughs> and then last season, um, nineteen twenty or so. Sorry, nineteen twenty was his first year. the The previous year was Viking. That was Viking. Yeah, nineteen twenty in conference, they went seven and eleven. Right, and this past season, they went three and seventeen. So oh my god! So you're three and seventeen. Yes. So you're expecting <laughs> you them to even? Ju yeah. No. You can't even. You can't take three and seventeen and be like the Pac-12 was good that year. <laughs> <laughs> Just disproves my argument. Oof, that's brutal. Yeah. So that's why I'm like. uh like, so I, I guess you give him three years, but, you know, even if it's still bad, like, because cause the three year, after the three year mark is where you come to a crossroads. 
right? In terms of, do you give him an extension or do you fire him? Because why would he be recruiting like two years down the road if he knows he might be let go, like after his contract's done, right? Because you know the 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 final year, the fifth year. If you don't, if he doesn't get a contract extension by then, like or before the start of the fifth season, he's a lame duck coach, right? You you know that. But so like that transition year between three and four is like where it's huge. You can give him another another three year deal. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the what the benchmarking is to like say he was a successful coach or he improved or if he didn't improve. No, I think it, I think it's right about I mean, I don't know. I think it's right around 500. 500 conference. Yeah. I mean, if you and you can't go worse than 500 out of con, I don't know if you can go Maybe you can go if you went slightly under 500 out of conference and then 500 in conference, you'd probably be okay. If you well, go, because because the, the the argument for that would be that you got better as the season progressed, correct? And that's and when that's it mattered, a, yeah. And that's a net positive. This this was this was weirder because we actually went we actually became worse. <laughs> we were nine and twenty. We were nine and twenty overall, and we're three and seventeen in conference. <laughs> yeah, it's just. I mean, to me, it's like a let it ride year. So it's like, if it's good, great. If it's not, we know what to do. Bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's upsetting. This is just upsetting. Is that, is that all for our fun topics? Yeah, that's all for our fun topics. Actually, one more. In the grander scheme of basketball, Arizona has finally moved on from Sean Miller. Finally. <laughs> Finally. What a lucky guy. 12 years, five Pac-12 championships, seven NCAA tournaments, three Elite Eight runs, and they finally self-imposed a postseason ban starting this year after they <laughs> were hit with multiple Class One or Level 1 violations, and they finally move on from Sean Miller. One of the most <laughs> infamous cheaters in the sports history. <laughs> How did he have a job? It was crazy. He got, I was just, we were talking the other day about this and I was like, I can't believe he gets to kind of ride off in the sunset with, you know, this way. I mean, it really is like one of those things. Yeah, he got let go, but it's like not when all of the scandal hit. It's like his image is way better than it should be. (laughs) Way better. They, they like did a real good job, like taking the PR hit for him. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, good riddance. Good riddance. Goodbye. And they've, well, they have, I think they have hired Gonzaga assistant Tommy Floyd to be their new head coach. So they actually got a good one, in my opinion, which sucks. <laughs> they got another good coach back to back, at least basketball wise. Uh, anyways, <laughs> let's, uh, let's check the Twitterverse, shall we, to see if we have gotten any questions for us before we wrap this thing up. And. We move to our notifications. We got a couple questions. Sid, of course, our dear listener friend, asks, now that Brett Johnson is out for the season, who do you see taking his place? I think we talked about that. Uh, thought Aspiring CPA asks, thoughts on Knowlton interviewing for the Northwestern position? We talked about that. 
John Clemens on Twitter asks, is Wilcox capable of having an aggressive offensive game plan, or do you think he puts limits on the OC? That's a good question. Mm. What do you think? Yeah. The old Sonny Dykian question. <laughs> of Does a Sonny Dykes offense negatively impact the defense, or does a Wilcox defense negatively impact the offense? I think that Wilcox brought in somebody like Musgrave and brought in somebody like Bo Baldwin not to put a lid on what they want to do offensively. The only area where I think you might see some of that is you get the sense that he wants to run a Wisconsin-style offense. That is, big guys up front can run really effectively and leans into the tight end. That's that's my sense and then but then has dynamics of a more modern the more modern game so as to putting a lid or i don't think so i think there's some situations where maybe the call is more conservative than perhaps the offensive coordinator would want but like that's business (laughs) you know like at the end of the day if you were running a company and you hired somebody for your marketing department, would you let them do everything that they wanted to do? Or would you let them do 90% of what they wanted to do, but then still be concerned about a couple things that might seem off brand. So there I go with my business analogies, but (laughs) I don't know, Rob, I'll pass it over to you. I ultimately don't think it's as big as people perceive it to be. It's certainly not as big as when we looked at Dykes and the impact that the Dykes offense had on a defense and i think that you can see that play out in the air raid in the versions of the air raid that now exist pretty predominantly across college football and the fact that the big 12 doesn't really play any defense anymore (laughs) uh but over to you what do you think i think you're mostly right i think the for me the benchmark for that question would be this upcoming season i know we said that last year too but Last year was so much of a push because of COVID and like them not being able to practice properly and in- install the offense and all that. But they got like a dummy season in last year to s- slowly install the offense. And I still stand by my tinfoil hat, you know, uh, what's it, theory that they withheld most of the playbook after the debacle, which was the first week of that season of like you're playing UCLA and you have a 48 turn- 48 hour turnaround. I think they I think they packed it in then and was just like you know what there's no reason to showcase it like any of our like wider playbook because this season doesn't really even count um, our games might be canceled anyway so like why do we show if we end up playing just one game this season why would we showcase all of our best offense in a single game that we play so that's that's my that's my tinfoil hat theory on like why last season was like so conservative so that being said i think this season if everyone is healthy, like if Chase is healthy for the entire season, all the offensive weapons are healthy for the entire season. Like we don't have any of those like, you know, COVID reasons and our half our offensive line is missing and, and all that stuff. I think this is the year where you'll, where you'll see like them just go, hey, Bill, take it away. You know, and, you know, we've we've gone and talked to Wilcox about, you know, like the football 101 class that we had. And one of the things he talked about was like he's a big like overarching game manager. So like he would tell Bo Baldwin like, hey, if we make it on first down here, like or if we get to fourth down on this and we can't turn we can't, you know, uh, what's it convert? Like, let's just go for it. 
Like he he does those like big big planning things. He doesn't really tell. I don't think he really tells the offensive coordinator like, yeah, let's just keep running for this play, or this drive. Like let's not pass. Um, I don't think I don't think he's that micromanage micromanagey. Um, so yeah, all in all, I think this season is the biggest big benchmark for that offense. If you, if you see any sort of expansive offensive playbook that we've seen than we've ever seen ever with everyone healthy. I think that's the key sign that there were other extenuating circumstances that led to the playbooks being so small. I mean, you know, we everyone talks about like, you know, that cheese bull year and we all of us are like we found out that Chase like had a broke like broken shoulder, you know, like Patrick Laird told us like after the season, like he was he couldn't throw very far. And then we had like Brandon McIlwain who like pretty much looked like he was dealing with yips. Like he was just like was afraid to throw. Like it was just there was just so many different things that happened, and like we could point we could actually point to reasons. I don't think this I think this season, barring injury, like we can actually now we can actually point to the coaching staff and be like, all right, they're actually being conservative instead of just opening it up. If it goes out that way. Agreed. Well said. Yeah. Um, that's it. We don't have any more questions. Uh. But as we finish out, of course, we always have time for our victory cannon. All right. You got anything for the victory cannon this week? Andy's muted. Uh, Diana's coming home right now, so there's about to be noise. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. What a... See, everyone... Everyone gets to hear her voice now. I'm going on mute. <laughs> I'm assuming you can edit this part. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This buster is drinking water super loud. Okay. Three, two, one. Uh, victory cannon. Victory Cannon. To this will be another mindfulness kind of. Well, let me first thing. First thing, let's talk about what we talked about the other day. The Zelda game <laughs> apparently on Nintendo Switch is supposed to be so life like life changing that it's a lesson in mindfulness, and that's amazing. So that's a really good plug. I don't have a Switch, but I was <laughs> close to getting one because of that. I was like, oh, it sounds amazing, but. When you get the vaccine, you just come over and play it, and then you'll be like, all right, this is worth getting, or this isn't worth yeah. getting. That's, that's how we'll that is That is a real thought that I had. Yeah. The, <laughs> the privileged life. Um, yeah, the blockbuster of Andy's <laughs> video game life. <laughs> the thing that I wanted to address today was I've been um, – I have been keeping a gratitude journal, and it's a fantastic way – to sort of think about, okay, who served you today? How did I serve others? And what do I want to set as my goal for tomorrow? That's awesome. And um, it's been a fantastic way to just kind of organize. And it for, it actually helps you think about the positives. And you get really detailed about the positives uh, that happened to you so that you remember more so the positives than the negatives. And it kind of, over time, helps actually change your mind. And it's been a really, really helpful practice. And it's not easy. Uh especially doing it every night. You know, I had to take a little gratitude journal on vacation with me and 
be really committed to it. And the first time I did it like three days and two days off and three days and two days off. And then I fell off of it entirely. And I was like, no, I'm going to do this and I'm going to commit to this. And so as you go through this long podcast, which was about some topics that weren't so pleasant, you know, I think this might be, you know, it's been a helpful tool for me, might be a helpful tool for somebody else. So that's my victory cannon for today. Ooh, that's a good one. Damn. All right. What what am I going to put in the victory cannon for mine? Holy crap. Um, I guess, you know what? It's the, it's the, I, I couldn't think of a better, I can't think of any better cliche, so I won't even say it. Um, but I think right now, like with all of the, the issues in society, all that stuff, um, we didn't, we haven't had time to address it on this podcast um, which I mean directly affects me for me being Asian uh, over the last like few weeks, but uh, overall, just to spare everyone the details because I feel like everyone's gone through it or talked about it, you know, to to a certain degree. Um, I think I'm gonna spotlight some like Asian American like businesses in the Bay Area, like if you're around here that you want to support. Of course, the, the first one, of course, is one of our dear friends. Uh, runs a beer company called uh, Toke Beer. You can order it online um, and get it in multiple stores across the Bay Area. Really good stuff. Um, highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, if you want a little bit more of like, if you want to associate or get to know me a little bit more, I think uh, the the big movie right now is uh, Minari, which is all over. It's, you know, she's... Uh, Yoon Jung, who is the grandma in the role, is uh, sweeping basically all the awards for Best Supporting Actress. Um, I think the Oscars is the only thing she has left, so fingers crossed that she gets it. Um, fun story is that she's actually the aunt of one of the one of my friends from high school, so we actually saw her gro- a lot growing up. Um, and then to see her like up on in the Oscars, it's like mind blowing. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, and then the last, I'll, I'm gonna plug a little food place. Um, Andy, you and I, we're gonna we're gonna go soon because both of us will be uh, vaccinated soon. Um, so yeah, get your vaccines. But anyways, uh, one of my favorite burger joints in South San Francisco is called the Hidden Spot. Wagyu burgers, crazy good toppings, and then they have like these really really good like sweet and spicy chicken wings. The they call them the MVP wings. Freaking awesome. Sandwiches are off the charts too, but it's in South San Francisco, so I I can't always get it. Fun part, they just made a location in Emeryville. Wow! 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 (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the hidden spot is located inside the bar called Hometown Heroes. I believe it's on Adeline and Fortieth. Go check it out. Support. Um, Asian American businesses. It's super good, man. They're like uh, Japanese style fried chicken sandwiches. The karage, the karage burgers are solid. Um, any of their burgers are good too. They're all Wagyu burgers. If you're not a meat eater, they have the Impossible Burger that you can switch to, so you can do all that. They have a bunch of sandwiches as well. But get the MVP wings. Get an order of tots. Um, you know, get a My- burger goodness this looks good (laughs) (laughs) yeah and they're they're like they're not like they don't skimp out on the patty too it's like a thick like a third pound patty you know like 
Dude. They're delicious. It's delicious. The cheese and the onion rings. Oh, yeah. The sheriff with the barbecue sauce. Oh, yeah. That one's one's great. All right. That's great. (laughs) Fully support that. Yeah, Yeah, we've been on uh, on a... very intentional journey so we got uh when we were down in southern california we went to um an actual like uh masseuse uh and and talked to them and about their experience and uh you know they talked about it being really hard so we tipped for super well and then uh as we got we've been back here just you know going to as many asian-owned businesses as possible uh we went to tokyo fish market Uh, yeah just you know a bunch of local spots so um very intentional about that so i hope that everybody else is as well and um you know there's a lot going on whether it's dante wright and Mm -hmm. adam toledo and um you know the eventual verdict that will come down in the george floyd trial it's just a there's a lot and i know like a tendency is to run away from it but now is not the time to do that it's the time to lean in it's time to stay active it's time to read it's time to be an ally um whether it be with our asian brothers and sisters or whether it be with our black and brown brothers and sisters it's super important and um it's kind of on us as as me as a as a white male and (laughs) um you know speaking more broadly like it's on us to make this change and we have to be advocates and allies and be out in the streets and um but not just there like donating and um being vocal and trust me like it's it's hard but every night i go to bed i read uh the new jim crow and just try and continue to educate myself yep and i think like that's what i I hope that everybody else is doing because uh we need it yeah i mean just to piggyback off of that i think the last thing i would say is don't ever lose the willingness to learn especially regarding these types of topics. I think that's the big thing, is that if you're always willing to learn, there's always something else to learn. Right? And um, that's the that's where you're going to get your most growth. So I've learned a lot. I know Andy's learned a lot. I know a bunch of other people that have learned a lot over the last 12 months, I'd say. I'd say the last 12 months have been pretty key. Um, so, yeah, always pursue um, and teaching yourself and growing in you know, just having that part of, of sympathy and empathy and, uh, and learning. Yeah, that's what that's what makes us uh, human. And also, hopefully, that's all for all the Cal fans. We need a cannon. Yeah, we need a cannon sound. Maybe I'll go download a <laughs> cannon sound. Yeah. A sound. All right, I'm gonna go look. The cannon sound. But anyways, that wraps it up for us on the Golden Bearcast. You can find me at Rob11HWANG. You can find Andy at Andy J Beast Mode. Now us. public again. Oh yeah. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at Golden Bearcast. You can find all our written stuff at rightforcalifornia.com. And that's it. We're a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Podcast Network. And as always, go bears. Go bears. Now this, that looks better.
<laughs> that that looks a lot better. Ah, so hot. All right. Thank you. <laughs> All right, we circle back. And we return with Andy's vegetables in tow. What? You're not good. <laughs> no, you got to cut right before I say it. Now I have to go get my vegetables. All right, here we go. <laughs> Can't say um, All right, all right, all right. This is going to be outtakes. Um. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.